This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is April 26th, and I do appreciate you being with me. And you know, Justin and I are dedicated to bringing you useful information on this show, sharing our perspectives on money management and investing in today's climate. You know, the the financial climate changes often, so today is a different climate than it was a year ago, very different. Now, if there's a topic in this realm that you'd like to talk about or hear more about, you can ask the question and or just let us know. You can reach us on the program by calling right now, 888-99-CHART. If it's a question you'd like to ask in a more private setting, you can go to investtalk.com. That's investtalk.com and click on Got a Question, and I'll answer that question. Investing in the stock market is all about taking ownership in a company for your own benefit, your benefit. You're taking that, when you buy a stock, you own a piece of that company. That's your company now. Yours and a bunch of other people's, but it's still your company. Now, the best way for a company to benefit you is to create what we call shareholder value. And the best way to do that is to create profits, business profits. Now, ultimately, any successful business must create sustainable profits or it won't be around. So let's take a quick look at some of the profitability matrix this week, this hour, if we can. Maybe understand how that the business is really doing. But, of course, first we want to go and answer questions. That's the primary driver of the show, your questions. Uh, we call it uh, Invest Talk for a reason because we talk about investing. So that means you have to ask questions, and we'll talk about it. Now, our 24-hour anytime line, 24-hour anytime line is 888-99-CHART. And here's a call that came in before the program. Hey, Stephen Justin, long-time listener here. Love the show, everything you guys do for us. Thank you. I have a quick question hopefully you can answer for me. I know you always say that timing the market, buying at lows and selling at highs is a hard way to do things since you can never find a top or bottom. How does that differ than what um, Mr. Buffett does where he waits and buys things at lows and then when they go up to highs and that, he sells them and then he'll just sit on the cash for a long time, two, three, four, five years even, but then when the cycle changes in the economy and things go down to a low again, he buys them and does that again, raises, hangs on until they go up to the top. How is that different from what um, we want to do in buying at lows and selling at highs? Um, thank you. I look forward to an explanation. Okay. Well, first of all, Warren buys low. He waits for recessions or he waits till he sees really good value. And that is true. You're right. But his holding period is forever. He doesn't really sell them at highs. That's not how he does it. He doesn't, he, he doesn't pay attention to how high it goes. I mean, for instance, he's owned Coca-Cola for what, 40 years, 30, 40 years? You know, he, he, his, even he states to himself that his, his idea is to buy the company and hold it forever because he's not buying it at a particular price. He's buying it at a particular value, and he sees value going forward to continue to provide shareholder value forever. 
Okay, so he doesn't sell at highs. That's not how he doesn't sell at highs. That's not his. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't sell, but many times he sells because something changes in the business environment of the company. In other words, it changes to the worse. Therefore, he doesn't want to hold on to it anymore. It has nothing to do with selling at a high and buying at a low. You're right, he does buy at a low, but he doesn't sell at highs. He'd rather just hold the company forever. First forever. He'd rather own the whole company too, believe it or not, not just a share of it. He would like to buy it, but of course he can't. But he... And how he gathers more and more money, by the way, is not by selling the stocks. His insurance company provides that extra cash, constantly building, 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 and then he spends it when he, when the, when he sees a great bargain. That's how, he, that's how he can be really successful. If you have constant money coming in and you can wait for a recession, you can do the same thing. Anyway, good question. Appreciate that. Let's take a look at some profitability metrics that you can use to understand a business that you might have an interest in. First, there's gross margin. Margin. That word margin. Okay, that's the percentage of revenue a company gets after paying for the cost of a good sold. For a manufacturing company, this is a simple calculation as the cost of the goods sold as is pretty straightforward. For a service business, it is more accurately defined as cost of revenue, which includes labor costs, commissions paid, raw materials, shipping costs. Then we look at operating margin. Remember, that was gross margin. Operating mar margins. Operating margin is the measure of what, what proportion of the company's revenue is left over after paying for Variable costs of production, such as wages, raw materials, that kind of thing. And this is a lot like gross margin, but includes costs like marketing and depreciation. Net margin. So you got gross margins, operating margins, and net margin is a different metric. That's the percentage of revenue a company gets to keep after paying all business-related expenses. This is the most important margin this number is the most important, this margin number, because it includes all costs, all costs, consisting posit consistently positive net margins are a great sign that the company has a viable, sustainable business model. And the last one we'll mention here is return on assets. It's also cru crucial to determine how much profit, how much net margins and gross margins and and uh, operating margin. How much are, do you have, and how much how much is creating wealth? If a company makes a hundred million dollars in profit with a one billion dollar, a hundred million dollars in profit with a one billion dollar, that's wrong. Uh, how you, you if the company makes a hundred billion dollars, has a hundred billion dollars in assets. Its market cap is a hundred billion dollars and it produces $10 billion in profit, that, that is your return on the asset, the asset of the company. The asset of the company is what we're talking about. That's return on assets. Okay? There are more measurements of profitability. There's all kinds of them out there. I quote, I quote often the return on equity. Return on equity is similar to the return on assets, but return on assets is a bit broader. In the, very, in the end, you need to buy companies that make money. It's as simple as that. Today, we're going to talk about, about one of these deals in college savings plans that is also one of the least used. 
We're talking about the 529, by the way. But there's different parts of it that no one really uses. We're going to talk about that. Of course, I also want to talk about, I'm going to talk about the mortgage rates. You notice that they've gone up. I also want to talk about the trade deficit. Did you notice they've gone down? And I want to talk about jobless claims. I'll, I'll, it's all about economic numbers today is what I want to discuss. And I want to just go over some of the numbers to make sure we all have a good picture of what's happening in our economy. So that's what happened. The market was up. Dow was up 45. The NASDAQ was up 115. And the S&P was up 28. So that was a big lagger today. Big lagger. But at least it bounced up from earlier in the week a 500-point loss on the Dow, so 400-something. So, it, you know, it's not it's still working through that correction. I think it's going to be with us for a while. I mean, we just have to get used to it. It will work itself out at some point. It will. So, this is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. We haven't seen in a long time rising interest rates. A rising interest rate environment can result in higher returns, right? It can result in higher returns on cash and your bonds and your CDs, those kinds of things. So investors in the long term, investors in long term bonds get the risk but none of the return. Why is that? Well, you call and ask and I'll tell you. Got questions about bonds? 888-99-CHART. You can get through right now with your questions on InvestTalk. InvestTalk continues. Would you like a brief list of real estate investment trusts, REITs? Well, Steve says they should be on investors' radar if they're looking for exposure to this dividend-focused sector. Yours now, if you're an InvestTalk insider. To get your list, sign up. Right now, it's free on InvestTalk.com. Hey, Steve or Justin. I was calling in regards to BGS, B&G Foods. Um, I know recently they just announced the uh, first quarter earnings conference call date and the stock was rising before that it did like a t had a 10% rise and then after they announced the they were going to be releasing earnings it gave it all back and we're getting back down to the 52 week low i was just curious um if i should buy more i mean with it yielding 7 and 3 quarter percent it's pretty enticing i just wanted to see if the what do you guys think about is the dividend safe and uh if they're forecasting less earnings or what what exactly is going on and if you guys are still holding or buying any more um i appreciate what you guys do and look forward to listening on the podcast thanks but well actually we're buying we bought recently more bgs bg and food bng foods headquarters in Pacific, new jersey manufactures shelf-stable food products such as jellies hot sauces sold in the u.s canada and puerto rico the numbers are really compelling uh they're gonna make two dollars and seven cents this year now that's down two percent from last year and next year it's gonna make 217 up five percent sales growth is you know last quarter was only 15 percent okay that's down 28 percent from the quarter before 20 percent from the quarter before that and that's why the stock one of the reasons why the stock fell from 36 all the way down to 22 but now the dividend yield is eight percent well can it maintain that 
Well, it's a $22 stock making $2.17. So, yeah, they can maintain it. $2.94 cash flow. Turn equity 17%. The five-year PE range is 11 to 27. And right now, it's at 11. Insiders are buying. It seems like a really good price to buy it. Now, can it go down? What if they announce something totally off the wall and catch us by surprise and it's bad? Well, then the stock will, down for, will go down further. But odds are the bad news is already built into the stock. That's the odds, in my opinion. Because we have a strong economy, inflation started picking up, and food prices should go up. And then if you add the repurchase of $50 million worth of common stock, the buyback, it, even though that's not a tremendous amount, it's it's all positive. And so now we're now the thing you gotta worry about is some kind of unknown negative thing for out by field, a black swan event. So you know, I, I don't worry about that too much. The company has made money forever, and I, I like what I see. So, BGS, B&G Foods Corp. Now, we've been wrong, by the way. We bought this some time ago, and it fell on us. I don't, don't think, we, but what I've done is we bought more recently. Could I have faith in the company? Uh, here's a term you hear and may not know. What is an irrevocable trust? Have you heard that term? You've heard the word trust, I'm sure. But you know there's two kinds of trust. Irrevocable trust and revocable trust. An irrevocable trust can't be modified or terminated without the beneficiary's permission, the person who the trust is going to. The grantor, having transferred assets into the trust, effectively removes all his rights of ownership to the assets and the trust. Now, this is just opposite of a regular revocable trust. That's what most people are familiar with. An irrevocable trust is something that you can't change. The assets you put into an irrevocable trust are no longer yours. They belong to the beneficiary of the trust. So, be very careful. If you ever put a irrevocable trust together, you just know that you know change are gonna you can't change it. If you'd like to know more details about trust, well, visit our friends on Investopedia. This is Invest Talk 99 chart. Invest Talk continues on a service of KPP Financial, serving the average investor for more than 25 years with innovative investing programs, programs they have a personal stake in. Independent thinking, shared success with parallel investing. And now is the time to bring your question to the table. 888 chart is our anytime number. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Lee and San Mateo. How are you doing, Lee? I'm just doing fine. Thank you so much for taking my call. I am really You're enjoying well. your show. So, uh, Thank you. I am calling in regard to your welcome. I was reviewing my Vanguard portfolio, and I noticed there's one fund. I had a capital a long-term loss, which is Vanguard Healthcare Fund. Ticker symbol V-E-H-A-X. Uh -huh. Should I repeat it? V as in Victor, well, it's, T as in George. No, I got it. Yeah. No, I got it. You got it. Okay. 
And I was thinking, should I just hang on to it, or what should I do? I just want to uh, hear your feedback. Okay, this is uh, everybody, Vanguard Healthcare uh, Admiral Fund. It's a four-star fund, meaning it's pretty good. It's one of the better funds in its category. And it's a healthcare fund. By, by it, what it does, it looks for value, uh, takes a value approach to buying with very low fees and very experienced management. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Now, the only reason I would... I would say to sell it is because you don't need this particular sector in your portfolio. You bought this for a particular mm-hmm. reason, and I'm I'm assuming you wanted to have the healthcare exposure. And if you want to keep the healthcare exposure, then this is a this is a good fund to have. They take lower risk versus their category, mm-hmm. and their returns mm-hmm. are pretty much even with their category. So they get a decent return. If you, in other words, if you try to go buy another fund in this category, you would have a hard time finding a better one. That's all. I see. Okay. No. Okay. So the only reason you sell it is because you, you don't want to be in the healthcare industry anymore. That's the only reason, Lee. Okay? Okay. Uh, Thank you for the call. May I, I ask one quick question? Is sure. it too late to get in uh, energy fund, either Vanguard or anything? I think you are a little bit late to the party. I don't know if I would okay, could say yeah. it's too late, but you know, um, <laughs> it is a little late. Okay, <laughs> Lee, thanks for the call. Thank I appreciate you so it. You're welcome. Uh, okay, let's talk about five twenty nines. Okay, there's really two ways to save for education: is either through a five twenty nine program or Coverdell. But we're going to focus on a five twenty nine. The 529 plan actually has two parts. 90% of everybody uses only one part of it. 10% use the other part. What is the 10%? And that's what we're going to talk about. The 90% is what you're familiar with. You, you put money in the 529 program. You invest that money in mutual funds or stocks or whatever they allow because each state has rules. Each state, each state sponsors a 529 program. And they're not all 50 states, but most states. And you have to follow the rules that they have. But 529 plans also allow you to prepay tuition. Prepay the tuition for the college you want your child to go to. Now you can see why that's less desirable. What if your kid doesn't want to go to that college? Right? Then, of course, now you have a problem. You prepay tuition for that college. So that's why most people don't do it, I think. Uh, you know, you can also compare to see, well, is it a better deal to do it? I mean, is it is it financially better? And that's very difficult to measure. If it's better to put money in the stock market and try to grow the money that way, or better to put it in a for a tuition and pay the tuition now over time as opposed to waiting until your child gets to go to college at 10, 15, 20, 20 years, whatever, 18 years later, and how much was, what was the better deal? Pay, prepaying the tuition, because tuition goes up every year, therefore you don't, you're not paying the higher tuition down the road, you're paying tuition now, or would it have been better to make money in stock market? That's a very difficult thing to measure. And I don't think it 
really can be said with any certainty. Uh, which, because remember, you're talking about a specific period of time, 10, 15, 18 years for that child, right? Then they start to go to college. Well, over long periods of time, the stock market returns, what, 8 9%? And over long periods of time, how much does tuition go up? See, so what if you get in a period of, of, of a, a recession for two or three or four years of the, what if, a, what if the, you're sending your kid to college next year and the market crashed like it did in 2008? You see what I mean? So it's very difficult to measure and try to know what's the best thing to do. It's just very, very difficult. But it, it is a way, if you know your child's going to go to the college that you know your grandparents went to, your parents, you, and now, now your next generation is going to go, then you could do it. Yeah, you could do it. It might be a good way to do it. Something to consider, anyways. So what's coming up on next Invest Talk? That's tomorrow. Should you diversify out of tech stocks? Should you do that? That will be on the topics. That will be the topic on one of the topics, at least tomorrow, Friday. We're here to answer your questions on any money topic you want to talk about. As long as it's financial, we'll discuss it. Call me now at 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like, a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for InvestTalk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one-on-one -on -one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. This is Invest Talk. It's Financial Literacy Month, so we invite you to read a book, Security Analysis and Business Valuations on Wall Street by Jeffrey Hook. This book shows how the values of common stock are really determined in today's marketplace, incorporating dozens of real-world examples, too, and spotlighting many special analysis cases. See more about it and others? Click on the Invest Talk tab and then Books on Invest Talk. Dot com. And you're listening to Invest Talk, and the number is for you, 888-99-CHART. Bring your questions to Steve right now. Hello, this is KPP customer and podcast listener Jack in Chicago. I have a position in Corning, GLW. I'm down about 9% in that position. I see that the share price took a big dive uh, last week of January, first week of February on an earnings report. It does pay about a 2.5% dividend. Wondering what you thought about holding that position or getting rid of some of it. Thanks. Okay, this is Corning Inc., everybody. Makes glass substrates for LCDs, optical fiber cables for communications, pollution control products. Uh, it's big, $23 billion company. 
Earnings uh, and sales are growing just in the single digits, uh, mid-single digits for sales. And uh, earnings are going to be up 2% this year, then up 13% next year. So it's going to be $1.95 and it's a $26 stock. Okay, so you're looking at a P.E. of what, 12, 13? The return equity is not very good. never has been that great, only about 10%. Good cash flow. Easily they will continue to pay that dividend. That, and they can raise a dividend without much trouble. But it is a, you know, because it is this good, big, pretty big company, your sales are going to be slow. And there's not going to be anything exciting about this company. So it depends on what you want. If you're content with a 2.7% dividend, right, at this point, the stock is fairly inexpensive. And chances are good over time it should rise. Should. Doesn't have to, but it should. Um... But you're never going to get great numbers from it. You're just not because it can't do that. What you can do is maybe get higher and higher dividend payouts. That was what your hope is. But the stock is just not going to be stellar. If it was me, I'd probably look for something better. If I was relying on dividends, there's much better dividend payers out there. The higher, higher dividends that you can buy that stocks are getting kind of got beat up here in a little bit in the correction phase of the market and they look like a good place to pick up there's better dividend payers if that's why you're if that's what you're looking for okay let's go to Dole in Fremont how you doing Dole? I'm doing fine how about you? good thank you for the call I have a position in 3M and I wanted your take on uh, what should I do it's not doing too well for me yeah, it got beat up uh, on its earnings uh, three or four days ago. It went from, what, 215 down to, you know, now it's at 197. Uh, so it got hurt because they weren't as impressive. And 3M is like is like corning. It's never going to be a big grower for you. This is growing a little bit better than corning. It's also a bigger company, $117 billion company. Pays about the same dividend, 2.8%. So if you already own it, it looks like support comes right in about $190 to $200 a share, and it's at $197. So I don't think it's going to go below $190. It shouldn't, but it could. It's going to make $11.40. Earnings are going up 10% a year for the next It's 18% this year, 10% next year. You know, even though the earnings weren't impressive, you know, they're, they're still solid. I mean, 3M is a solid company. Um, they're going to make $11.46. So, <sighs> if you already own it, I would te be tempted not to sell it, uh, Dole, simply because I think that most of the damage has already been done. You know, okay. so unless... Unless you need the capital losses to offset other capital gains, I probably would hold on to it because it pays a 2.8% dividend now and it probably will raise the dividend and it has really good return equity of 50%. I mean, that it's, it's an impressive company. So I'd probably hold on to it, though. That would be my... Yeah, it's, you know, it's an IRA. Okay. So I don't have to worry about it right now. I'm yeah. having a loss. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. 3M, everybody. MMM is the symbol. 3M. Uh, 3M, you know, they provide the industrial tapes, adhesives, medical and office products, surveillance, and communications. Yeah, it, it's a 
really solid, profitable company has been for years and years and years and years. So, kind of like it. It's been beat up. If you already own it, I wouldn't buy it here. But if I owned it and it just went down to this point, I, I think it, I think it'll find support. As I said, I don't think it's going to go down much more. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. Okay, the trade deficit went down 10%. They weren't expecting that. Trade gap sinks to $68 billion in March, down 10.3% from $75.9 billion in the prior month in February. Now, why did it do that? Imports fell 2.1%. Remember, why would they fall 2.1% when our economy is doing so well? And it wasn't just like in oil or something. It was across a widespread part of, of, of categories. So while imports were falling 2.1%, our exports rose 2.4%. So those two things help the deficit go down. Now, why is the deficit going down so important? Why is President Trump worried about it? Why have all presidents worried about it? Just no one's ever done anything about it. Um, why? Because it goes directly to our wealth. Our wealth meaning yours and mine. Our wealth. It goes directly to our growth in the economy. If we import, if we have a deficit, that deducts from our gross domestic product. It's like taking money out of our pocket, the United States, and giving it to that foreign country's pocket. That's what that means. So if we can keep that money in our own pocket, it makes us wealthy. Wealthier. Now, the fear was that, you know, the deficit was growing January, January and February. So that was, the fear was, okay, the GDP number, which is coming out tomorrow for the first quarter, was going to suffer because of this. Well, it still is going to suffer, but now with this, this was a surprise it's going to be a, 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 the impact is going to be less. So that's the good news about that report. And it is pretty good news. We Hopefully it'll continue to go in that direction. Okay, let's talk to Jay in Fremont. How you doing, Jay? I'm fine, Steve. Steve, I have a question on ticker MAA. I want to know if I should sell it and buy AT&T. Uh, I bought MAA for dividend and uh, since AT&T okay. has dropped a lot, I'm thinking if I should convert that to AT&T. Thank you. Okay. Uh, this is MAA is Mid-America Apartment Communities, that, and it's a $10 billion company, so it's a big company. It's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that acquires, owns, and operates 502 apartment communities with 99,000-plus units. So they make $6.02 this year, $6.34 next year, Sales are growing, going up. They can probably get more rents. Insiders are buying. I, I, I mean, this company looks pretty strong. 4.1% dividend. Now, if you're buying it for the dividend, this is a pretty good. This is a pretty good REIT. It's not a lot of great return on equity, five uh, percent. But there's not a lot of debt. This, surprisingly, this REIT is not a lot. Of, does not carry a lot of debt. So it shouldn't. Interest rates going up are not going to hurt it as, as bad as other REITs that have a lot of debt that they have to refinance. Now, AT&T got beat up, okay? But its dividend is 6%. But AT&T is not growing. They're flat. Sales are growing down 2 
whereas your REIT, your REIT sales are going up, but they pay less dividend. Frankly, I probably stay with the REIT, Jay. Even though the dividend's a little bit less, it's a very solid REIT. AT&T, there's nothing wrong with owning AT&T, and you can make more money, but I don't know if I would sell this just to go to AT&T. I probably wouldn't do that. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. M-A-A was the symbol. Let's go to Carl in Philadelphia. How are you doing, Carl? Hey, Steve. I love your show. It's the first week I've I've ever listened to it. And I think you folks should be on two hours every day, not just one. (laughs) Well, you got to remember, this is the end of my day. and i got a real job during the day. (laughs) Gotcha. True. I had a question about um, investing in international mutual and exchange-traded funds. With the dollar, okay. well, with interest rates rising, and if the dollar rises with it, do you advocate currency hedge funds, or do you feel that just because interest rates rise, the dollar may not necessarily rise? How do you feel about it? Well, that's a that's really a pretty complicated question. Do your your basic question is: Will the dollar rise in value against other currencies? And my answer is, you would think I would answer yes to that, but I won't. I don't think it's going to collapse or anything, but I don't think it's going to go up either. Why? At some point, Carl, investors, people like me, the smart money, are going to look at our economy and they're going to look at our deficit at some point and say, whoa, that's a lot of money to be in debt. And that's going to put any any strength of the dollar in a vice grip. It's not going to let it rise because we're not addressing that debt. We're ignoring it. We, meaning the U.S. government. And that's going to hold the dollar down. Meanwhile, other countries' currencies are probably going to do better simply because their economies are probably going to start to grow better. Now, right now, they're not growing that much. Yeah, they're not. But... It's a complicated question, Carl. So should you hedge your bets uh, against the currency? I, I probably would if I was buying international. But remember, international is also U.S. and foreign. If you, so it's not just foreign when you say international fund. An international fund is both domestic and foreign stocks. Okay? So I don't. you wouldn't necessarily hedge against an international fund or ETF. But a foreign fund or ETF, yeah, you might want to hedge the currency, depending on where okay. it is. Okay. Good okay, question, thank Carl. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate the call. So hedging your currency is difficult. Remember, when you're buying foreign companies, when you translate that back into U.S. dollars, that's what Carl's thinking about. Gee, that means that you know, if the dollar goes up or the dollar goes down, it affects what profits I actually make. Let's go to Michael in Seattle. How you doing, Michael? Oh, hello. Thank you for taking the call. I'm wondering about the uh, IBM stock. Do you think the stock will go down more? And what is the future? I think IBM has a pretty decent future. I, I do. I, I, I don't know if I would have said that five years ago or so. But they moved. You know, IBM is no... And many years ago, 
they were big iron. They were called big iron computer. I mean, big computers. That's all they did. Then they changed their business model to provide IT consulting and services, and they've even changed, refined that. Now they, you know, they have big, uh, big uh, server farms out there to service the internet. So, anyways, uh, because of their change over these years, I think their prospects are pretty good. Uh, it's a huge company, $135 billion company, and sales the last three quarters are starting to increase. They're up 4 and 5%. Now, yeah, they took it on the chin four or five days ago with their earnings report, uh, but I think that I think this is an opportunity, Michael. Not, not something to worry about too much because I, when I read the report, it wasn't, it wasn't dire or anything. It just... Whenever you have the experts wanting something that they don't get, it's not as good as they wanted, but it's still good, stock goes down. So um, I like the 4.3% dividend that they're giving. It's very solid. That's not going away. They have a huge cash flow of $18.46 a share. I, 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 I think it's good. And it's one of the dogs of the Dow this year. You know that strategy where the highest yielding, lowest price stocks? I, I think it's a good value for the company. So I think it might go down to, the lowest it probably could go down is about a, the high 30s, 138, 139, it's at 146. It could go down there, but there's a lot of support right here about 145, 146 too. So I, I think this is a good place to buy it actually, Michael. Okay, IBM, thank you for the call, appreciate it. Now, if you haven't attended one of our live wealth webinars, I think you'll find it worth your time. Okay, uh, this one coming up, this is will be live on the on the web. It's the next month, and we're going to talk about trying to we're going to try to improve your skills fundamentally and technical skills. Fundamental and technical skills. It's free, May thirtieth. Fundamental and technical analysis tool tools a serious investor can't do without. Now we're going to show you how to use them both. It's you know it, it, it's it's not going to be uh, it's going not going to be super in depth because it can't be but we will teach you how to use them and how to make you a better trader and a better in investor. So May thirtieth, six thirty p.m. It's free. Registration will be open very very soon. Our last segment of the hour is coming up. We'll make time for your question. Check in now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Join in the discussion. Back to your calls on Invest Talk for this Thursday, April 26th. Some popular 401k plans have big stakes in technology stocks. Investors need to be aware of the risks should you diversify out of tech stocks. That's next time. You have a question for Steve right now? 888 99Chart is how to reach him on Invest Talk. Okay, let's go talk to Tony in Redwood City. How you doing, Tony? Hi, Steve. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to know about the future of uh, Stratasys, uh, the 3D printing uh, company. I've had that stock for several years, and I've seen it go down quite a bit. And I'm just wondering, kind of, should I keep holding it, or does it have any, uh, does it look any, any positive outlook on it coming back to its 60s? Do, do, do you have the symbol? Uh, yeah, SSYS. 
SSYS. Okay. Stratasys Limited, everybody. It is a $1 billion company. Manufactures desktop 3D printers for idea, design development, various systems for rapid prototyping. 3D, uh, a 3D dimensional printing company. It's really, it's, you know, they, they call it a, a printing, but it's really a new way to manufacture things. Three-dimensional things. It will manufacture a three-dimensional piece of something. In other words, it could be a, uh, it could be a, an airplane part, you know, out of, and it can use different alloys to to do that with. So it's kind of a new way to manufacture, and you're they they are going to make fifty nine cents next year. That's up from forty two cents this year. They made forty five cents last year. The earnings have been very erratic, and the sales are not very strong. So that's one of the reasons that you're having trouble, this company's having trouble, you know, going any higher, because it's got to be more consistent in growth of sales. You can't have growth of earnings without growth of sales. I think the future is pretty bright for 3D printing. I do, but it's not here yet. It's not here yet. So, Tony, if you don't have an outlook of five to ten years on this company, you're probably better off not owning the company. Personally, I think that, you know, because it, the, the sales are not going to be there. The 3D printing is very slow. That's one of the problems you have. So, anyways, this makes 3D printing printers. One of these days, I think it's gonna it can be a big company. Somewhat, some 3D printing manufacturer is going to make it big. I just don't know if it's this company. Okay, Tony? Right. All right. Thank okay. you, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. They do make money and made money for some time. They just not growing their earnings. They're not growing their sales. And that's kind of crucial for a billion-dollar company. It's a small-cap company. It's crucial that it grows its earnings and grows its sales. And it's not doing that. It's maintaining its sales, but maintaining sales is not a stock that you want to own. Right? It's not. Mortgage rates surged. They're the highest level since 2013. 4.58% for a 30-year mortgage. Now, that is near, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a high, right, for the last five years. But I don't see it affecting the housing market yet because the housing market reports, we had one out last week, a couple out this week, actually three out this week, existing home sales, uh, new construction, Case-Shiller home prices, and the the housing market is still pretty tight and pretty robust. So even as the mortgage are up to four point four point five eight for thirty-year mortgage, it's not necessarily slowing down the housing market. Now, eventually, it will if it continues to rise. And I have a feeling it's still going to creep up because the Fed has said they're going to raise rates this year more. And that puts pressure on the mortgage rates. But don't think just because the Federal Reserve is raising rates because they only control one rate, and that's the Fed fund rate, just because they control that rate, and that's the rate that the companies have to, banks have to borrow money from at that cost, they don't necessarily pass on that cost directly to the consumer. They just tend to pass on that cost. And remember, their cost is still pretty low. If you think about it, when the Fed fund rate was zero, mortgage rates what? Three and a half, three and a quarter, three and a quarter, three and a half percent. 
Now the front range raised like one and a half, and it's at four and a half. So they're not going up exactly the same in tandem. They're not. They are going up. But it's not hurting the housing market. Time to end the hour, everybody. Reminder, I have a new day for portfolio reviews. We're announcing a date for June 6th. It's June 6th. You can reserve your hour now for these individual retirement reviews on investtalk.com. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley, Justin Klein, and I thank you for making this part of your day. And let's do it again tomorrow, Friday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.